we have a special announcement. Scott's book is actually up for pre-order right now. Book number two, Champions Playbook 2. You guys will learn a lot more about it in the coming episodes, but it's the GoFundMe link is on his Instagram. That's S Golf. Go over there and check it out. I don't know if you guys are familiar with GoFundMe or not, but if you pre-order the book off of GoFundMe, there's a lot of uh, freebies that are attached to it, as well as some things that Scott has let me in on uh, that you guys will be able to get access to if you pre-order the book. It's $14.99. It's the best $14.99 you'll ever spend, and we'll be getting updates out here shortly about where and when uh, you'll be able to get your copy. So uh, stay tuned for that, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Peace. There's no rules! Shoot a lower score! There's one rule! Welcome back to the back porch of Franklin Bridge, where this might be, Scott, this might be the best podcast of the summer so far. Yeah, I'm excited about this. So before we get started and before we introduce our guests, I want you to name like the top three podcasts that we've had this summer. Your favorite three that we've had, because we're getting into fall golf now. Okay, favorite three? Um, favorite three. Ooh. Um, I really like the one with uh, Alex Phillips on fitness. Yep. Uh, debunking some major myths there. Like, we'll get into a little bit of some of the stuff I'm sure Nick has done. Uh, when he's uh, hey, training in the gym. Don't release the name no, of our, our okay. special guest yet. Our, our guy, <laughs> Joseph. Um, but, um, and then the other one, um, it got a lot of views, but it didn't get the most number of views, but I really enjoyed having Scott and Stephanie on just to get a, yeah. like it gave us a broad number of perspectives. And obviously it was a big night here. We had 80 people out here. Um, but like we've seen a massive growth in the podcast recently. Um are we at twenty thousand yet? We're so close. We're almost at twenty thousand listens. We're about to. We're about to pass it. So we'll pass it this month. Yeah, it, it maybe by the Most. time you're hearing this, we have. Who knows? We'll see. We'll, we'll announce see. it. But uh, well, same question to you. Your two favorites, because I have my instructor view. You have your. Yeah, I think um, student view. I really enjoy getting to share all of the podcasts um, that have kind of like catered to all of our, uh, you know, weekenders, all of our casual golfers out here. Like um, when we did like how to shave five strokes off your game, that was a really big one. And those are we what were I, sitting over there. I remember we, we were, were sitting, sitting over there. there and I love that one because um, we give, well, and what we talked about last week with don't listen to the WebMD of golf with YouTube. Like we give people actual tips that that it I doesn't know work. Yeah, and it doesn't yeah. matter your skill set. Like they right. work no matter you know who you are and, and what you know what stage of the game you're at. So I like that one a lot. I loved the the big one with Stephanie and Scott having the three tables out here, having eighty people on the back porch, just food, food and drinks running in and out. And you know we That's ran for probably two and a half, three hours, gave away probably yep. over five hundred dollars worth of equipment, and then over you know whatever it was amounted to in lessons that's even crazier yeah we did 40 something lessons that or sorry six the total number of people put names down was like 50 something so crazy gave away 50 30 minute lessons yep and then um i liked when we moved the table over here permanently and we've just kind of been better see everybody and we've been uh i think we've been recording our best stuff recently so that was the very like diplomatic answer to <laughs> I your know. question i know uh, well one of the things i'm excited about going forward is it kind of started with Scott Spector back this spring a little bit. We brought him on one time, and then we're starting to bring on more guests on the podcast. Um, 
I have uh, uh, in the works, we're working on this right now, I have the um, associate uh, women's head coach of Duke University lined up for the future. I uh, don't have an exact date set, but that's coming. Uh, I have a gentleman who wrote the book, The Five Elements of Effective Thinking, which is uh, an important component. I've referenced him a lot um, in how I teach and how people need to learn. Um, and then tonight, this is kind of a surprise one. So, like, we got reconnected on a, you know, sometimes, like, you get reconnected in ways that you wish you got reconnected on different terms. But um, so for those that are just tuning into this podcast or out here on the back patio for the first time, uh, I taught for 10 years uh, under Hank Johnson, 2004 National Teacher of the Year, Golf Digest Top 50 teacher for almost two decades. Um, he's taught players on the PGA, LPGA Tour, just one of the world's best instructors. Um, so I had the privilege of learning from him. And Nick started taking lessons from Hank when he was about seven and was in a clinic there at Greystone Country Club where I was with Hank. Um, I believe it was that summer. We have to check with your parents to know the exact. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure your mom wouldn't forget. Young enough to where I don't even remember. Yeah, so, um, but Nick was involved in multiple sports. We'll get into that a little bit as we talk here. But uh, Nick and I are just going to kind of, in some ways, just kind of catch up and reflect a little bit. Uh, but Hank passed away uh, two and a half weeks ago. So um, it was uh, obviously kind of a sad moment for both of us. Uh, Hank had a major impact on my life as a teacher and coach. Um, and I think it's one of the reasons why I can fix it so fast. And Nick's experienced that as a student. I've experienced it as a student. So, like, I took lessons from Hank, and I'd been swinging wrong all through high school and college, and I'd been fit wrong and all that sort of crazy stuff. So um, so who we have with us is two – yeah, go ahead. I was about to say, we have to teach you how to, like, introduce I know, people. I know, I'm working you know, on like, it. I'm working you gotta, on you got to channel your, your inner Jimmy Fallon, you know, <laughs> next up on the show. We'll let you do that. Well, you know all of yeah, Nick's yeah, accolades. Yeah, I know, I know. So, uh, Nick, uh, we have with us Nick Dunlap. He's the 2021 U.S. Junior Amateur Champion. Um, so, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> That's Chuck Sharp. <laughs> uh, needs no introduction. Um, what other big events have you won? Like, the accolades are, like, so deep. When did you shoot 59? Were you 14? I... I think I might have been 12. Okay. Excuse me. He was 12 when he shot 59. Um, but, you know, just a phenomenal player, crazy work ethic. Um, you're going to the University of Alabama? Correct. Uh, yeah. For all you I'll, – I'll throw a roll tide out there. Um, but um, so – And, Nick, feel free to handle, handle that mic however you need, man. No, you're yeah. good. Um, so, uh, Nick, if you'll uh, kind of just share with us – how you got to where you are, um, you know, obviously you started with Hank and any kind of just general memories from there. And then we can kind of, we'll piggyback off of that a little bit. So. Yeah. So like you said, I, I don't even remember my first lesson with you guys. <laughs> um, I was six so or seven little. or I was tiny. Um, <laughs> yeah. And the impact that Hank and yourself had with my golf game and me as a person, I can't even begin to express my thank you for you guys. Um, I, I, I just, I've probably, I don't know how many lessons it was. <laughs> a lot. A lot. Um, my bad. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm to a point now where I don't have to worry about my golf game. I can just kind of go out and play. Um, I kind of know, you know, what to check up on and um, things like that. But you guys, I mean, have set my way from when I was seven to, you know, where I am now. Yeah, I, one of the things that Hank used to always say was fundamentals are forever. 
Yeah. And uh, like when you build them and my cracking the code group that I did this winter, I've got another one coming this, I uh, do like a four month program with adults and like really take them deep into like, let's change this for good. It's like, once you develop this, it's a, it's a total of a couple of year process, but like once you really develop those fundamentals, you have them forever. You do. And you, really do. you know you what's crazy rely is, on that. is that I've actually started to really feel that in my own personal game with you. It's like I've gotten to the point now like where I'm, you know, a little over a year in where I'm starting to be able to feel those fundamentals uh, and, and know when they're off and when I need to fix something. And so it's really refreshing to hear like maybe one day I won't even have to like uh, I w- I'll, I'll be able to put it on autopilot and just have fun. Not that I'm not having that already, but you know, right. you know what no, I'm saying. No, but you gotta you gotta get to another level uh, to be able to play. So, um, you began tournaments pretty early, um, but I think the amount of time you put in. So you did other sports as well, right? Mm, correct. I played golf was really my last sport. Um, I started with football, baseball, basketball, um, and kind of ended with baseball and golf. I think you kind of remember that. Yeah, I played baseball until I was 12 or 13, 14, maybe. Which but is a huge point for people that are listening. Like they're like, "Oh, I'm gonna early specialize." You got these kids playing in U.S. Kids Worlds at like eight, nine, and ten. That's the only sport they're doing. When you follow those kids when they get to where Nick's at at 17, they're gone. You, you hardly know who they are. No, and, and so I, I've heard it from numerous college coaches. Um, they like people that play team sports. It kind of adds to their, you know, you don't really t- you don't play like in golf. You don't play. It's not a team sport, um, and it's. If kids don't really have that, you know, background, then, you know, coaches look for that. Would you say, though, that that college golf is the most team sport-esque of, like, all of the levels of golf that you ever go into? So, in some ways, those coaches actually are looking for guys who can contribute in the team sport environment Mm -hmm. because, you know, that's what college golf is. And I feel Uh like it's such a a very, like, uh, influential developmental level of the game that really determines, okay – are you hanging up the spikes at the end of this, or are you going on to play on the tour? And I feel like you need that headstrong uh, ability, and, and while still being able to socialize with everybody who's on the tour, to just be able to survive, almost. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, it's, it's different. Like People want to be like, because it's, it's weird. Because you want, you want the team to shoot the lowest possible score you can, which requires you to do your best, and you want to qualify so you want to beat all the guys on your team or girls. Um, and so it, like, it's a challenging balance of, like, there are guys that don't start. But, like, you can't hate on the guys that do start. It's this weird dynamic of, like, you're just not going to start. It's not like sitting the bench in basketball where, mm-hmm. like, you're going to get in the game. Like, yeah. if you're not in the top five, you're not in the game. Sorry, your score doesn't count. Yeah, and it's cool. I've been lucky enough to be a part of a couple team events like that. Um, and, you, I mean – your A, it, it, it hurts to not be playing. Um, but, you know, from the guys that are playing, you can learn a lot from them and kind of, you know, how they think, how they kind of do what they do, and um, you can learn a lot from them. No, I, I would agree with that. Getting around good players is one thing that you've done a lot. Um, I don't remember how young, like how old you were when you started playing with other players, but, like, I think it kind of started with playing with some of the guys in the shop at Greystone, and then it kind of bled into – where it is now so kind of take us through that like playing kind of going off the team aspect like starting to play with better players and how you think that's impacted your game um you know just for example right now i play a lot um well first first of all i was fortunate enough to grow up in birmingham Um, there's a lot of good players that roam around there um and you know 
it's just kind of a different mindset to be honest with you. Um, for instance, you go out and shoot 70 with four guys and you beat all of them by four. You kind of get like, well, yeah, I played great. Like I don't really need to go practice. Um, I've done it a couple of times where you shoot 65 and you get beat by two and you're like, man, like these guys just beat me. And now I, I got to go work on it a little bit. Um, and it's just kind of that, you know, that balance um, has helped me a lot. And just, you know, seeing people that beats you motivates you. Um, which, which is a big dynamic that I think separates good players from great players. Like good players don't like getting beat and they get frustrated. Great players go, you aren't going to do that twice. I'm going to speak real quick from, like, the amateur side of things. It's funny when you go out and play with people and let's say, like, I don't know. Let's say you – let's say you're somebody around my handicap and you go out and shoot a 79 and you're like, man, that's awesome. Like, I I killed it. Or, like, you go out there and shoot something like an 85 with four of your buddies and, like – you, let's say you lose by two strokes, and you're like, you know, I just didn't have my best stuff today, you know. But when you go out there and you shoot 65, and you get beat by two other guys, you're like, man, I gotta hit the range because this is more than just I had a bad day. And yeah. and it's like it's some of your best friends. Like I don't, I, yeah. I, anything I do, I don't really like losing. Yeah, um, especially the guys that are closest to you. Um, it, mm-hmm. It'll they give you crap, and it, it it'll eat at you for a little bit. It's just funny how, like, when you get that good, there's, like, you're pressing up against that glass ceiling to the point where, like, you're going to have to do something differently in your day-to-day schedule to get better, almost, where a lot of us, you know, we see that glass ceiling, but it's, you know, a mile away. Well, and when you get to Nick's level, it's not like, oh, I made a double over there. It's like, I made two pars or a string of three pars there, and I should have made at least one birdie on those three Mm. based on where it was, or I chose a shot that left me a 30-foot putt instead of a 18-foot putt, and, like, your chances of making that putt go up. It's when you get to Nick's level and, like, I start tracking data and stats, it's, it's literally fractions of shots. Um, if you go way back in one of my podcasts, uh, I believe it was in the 30s or 40s, I talk about fractions of shots. It's being able to find shots fractionally here and there that add up to two or three on the average as you continue to play. Um, so kind of to, um, Nick and I have actually never played 18 holes and I always (laughs) told him when he was really little, he's like, I'm going to beat you. I was like, I'm not going to let you beat me. And now it's like, no, I don't think I I even have a chance. (laughs) So, uh, he's, he's a little injured right now. So I might, I might be able to take him. Now I remember I was playing one handed or something. I called you the other day and I was like, dude, like we need to get a tea time for today. You're like, oh, I don't think he's going to be on for all that long. It's just like a day thing. And I was like, okay, that's a that's an opportunity missed there. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll have to do it. He'll be back up through this area, and we'll play yeah. some more. Um, but, uh, <clears throat> Nick, if you'll – I'd like people to see um, – everybody looks at it and it's like, oh, you're so talented, and you are talented. Like, you've been given a talent. But if we pull back the layers a little bit, football, baseball, basketball, mm-hmm. young age, played baseball in – Baseball to like 12, 13, 14? I think it was right before I moved to South Carolina, so 14. I okay, would say. so 14. basically 14. And they tell you not to mix the two sports, which is a whole bunch of garbage. I think so. <laughs> yeah. I, I really and the And the research supports it. Like, you mix them all you want. Like, I will say the old, <clears throat> the old guard would used to be like, okay, if you swing a bat right-handed, we're going to learn to golf left-handed. Which is total baloney. 
Yes, I, I agree. <laughs> but I do think like the principles are kind of fun. Like if you can be ambidextrous at some yeah. kind of sporting event, yeah. but like now that, you know, I've been on this podcast with you for, a, you know, getting close to a hundred episodes now, it's like, it's total garbage to feel like you can't do golf and another swinging sport. It, it's a way to try and trap kids to stay in their own lane. Like we're going to keep them in baseball or keep them in golf. And or maybe coaches. Yeah, coaches do that. Like I'm, I'm going to keep this good player over here because I don't want to take a chance that they're going to go off somewhere else. Right, Actually, right. you would benefit them by letting them play both. But with that said, like the amount of work that Nick put in is I got to watch it going along. Uh, I sent Jack a video of an interview where it was you and Hank at Greystone and it was north of 40 hours a week you were putting in. So I have an elite junior program here that I require them to get to 25 and they're struggling to get to 25. It's like, how do you get to 40? Like you're in school. Like what, what is a, obviously summer's different than, than when you're in school, but like, what does that look like? Like what kind of time are you putting in to get to where you're at? Um, well, I think first of all, I, to go back on the baseball thing, I, I played baseball and you know, I, knew I wanted to play golf when I was, well, I traveled baseball. I'd play three or four weeks out of the month everywhere. Um, and I think, you know, the tournaments that I was home and I don't remember, I don't like losing at all, but whenever I would try to calculate if I lost this game, then I could get home and play 18 holes is when I, you know, thought golf was probably the way to go. Um, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> um, but no, like you, you just, you have to love it. If you don't love it, you, you just, you're not, it's not going to work. Um, and I think me playing baseball and all these other sports really showed me like which sport I love the most and it's, it's golf. So what is it that I think everybody answers this question differently since you kind of brought it up. Like, what is it that you love about the game? I love that it's hard. We like, had a, we had I a love whole that podcast it's a challenge. We had like, a whole podcast yeah. on like, what's your why? Yeah. Like what, why do you? play this game like what what makes you want to run 1.8 miles to the gym and then come back why that story from curl (laughs) um no i you know i think in every sport really there is you can perfect it you can throw a no hitter you can shut a team out in football you can shoot 12 for 12 in basketball you can't perfect golf it's impossible um and i think that gives me something to you know kind of keep pushing and there's a lot of sports that you know you're kind of competing against somebody or it's a one-on-one for tennis or for swimming. Um, I think swimming is probably one of the only other sports, but it's really just you. Like you're doing the best you can do to compete against everybody else's. And I think when you win, it gives you that satisfaction of I won, nobody else did it for me. Um, and that I, is, that is wild. Cause like in every other sport you can be like, well, that's, that's good enough. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Titans beating the Seahawks this year by, you know, in overtime by like that was good enough. Like they didn't have their best stuff. It was good enough. Like, I don't know. Golf is, is a game where like Scott and I talk about this all the time where you, you just flat out get exposed in yeah. everything that you do. Yep. And it like it it it, uh, <laughs> it challenges you to really be the best and not just good enough. You know, like, oh, this uh, this football team's going to go eight and eight and somehow make the playoffs. Like, it's just. You can't – that doesn't happen in golf. No, it, it doesn't. Um, and even in Tiger's winningest year, like, he didn't win every It's like tournament. 22% or something. Yeah. And that Which was is with, incredible. <laughs> that was with winning, like, eight or nine times in a row or whatever. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Something insane. So, but, like, so Jack played in his first individual tournament in the club championship this last weekend. And he's like, dude, I normal, normally handle these – like, mentally I'm usually more tough than this. 
and able to kind of overcome a number of bad holes and like couldn't get out of that. And I said, golf's a different, like in baseball, you get to go sit in the dugout. You get to get, you know, maybe stru- struggle batting, but you do great on the field. Like redemption. Yeah. Yeah. You have this like come and go in basketball. You can sit in football. You can run different plays. Like you can move around weaknesses in golf. There's no, there's no break. There's nobody to hide behind him. No. And in a tournament like that, you're so you're exposed. Like it's it's like that dream that nobody likes having, where it's like you run around naked and you're like, I can't hide, right? Like yep. there's golf does that to you. So how do you handle that? One, I think success starts small. Like you have small successes along the way that build the bigger ones. But like for you, like how do you handle failure? Like I don't even. Well, it's not even failure. It's just like you got beat sometimes. How do you handle those? incredibly tough situations where the average Joe would just absolutely crash and burn. Well, I think everybody that's played golf has been there where, you know, you really would just want to punch something as hard as you as hard as you can. Um, and you can't do that. And the more mad you get, the worse you're going to play. Um, and I think it's time after time of me, you know, I don't think nobody, you know, everybody tells you like, you can't get mad. Like, but I think it took enough realization for me to like, Okay, this doesn't actually help me to get mad. Um, and enough times you have, you have to put yourself there enough times to I've, screw it up. I've you can say failed, not succeeded. I've done that so many times because I've gotten mad, or and it's just I've done it enough times where it's it's not worth it for me. Nick was pretty fiery as a kid. It's, I still uh, am. He still is. You just have more control over the. You have you're emotionally able to regulate it better than you were at a younger age. Mm-hmm. Like um, when we look into the psychology of it, you have the limbic system versus the frontal lobe. And like, as you get older, you move from that. You should anyway, move from that. Like the emotions running the show to letting, okay, I'm frustrated. I'm going to then use logic and be an adult and move past that. That's just have to do it by doing it you know i i think one of the only guys that have has told me this and i actually liked it a lot was the arizona state coach name's matt thurman um you know he's one of the only guys that says you know i like people that get mad I'm like, hmm, i didn't really i it's the first time i've heard somebody say that and he's like it shows me a you care and b if you learn how to kind of control that you can really use that as your advantage and that's kind of you know that's what tiger did um can you take us through a moment in like the in the junior amateur when um it's match play, mm-hmm. correct? So, can you take me through a moment where, like, you're battling, you're battling a guy one on one, and maybe you have a stroke of like, you know, two or three shots that you're like, man, that could have been way better, and how like you mentally kind of got on, got on top of the bubble and ended up, you know, obviously winning, and how did that, uh, how did that like affect you, and what were like the, the thought processes around that? Um, you know, I think on a week like that, and that's what makes Tigers run so like I can't even begin to fathom it it's unbelievable um you play 36 holes of stroke play and then you play i think six matches um so that's a grind a lot of golf that's so much golf (laughs) at like incredibly high level of focus with no breaks it's a lot of golf it's insane um and i think there's obviously if you play that much golf and that many rounds of golf there become times where you get frustrated and ticked off and um and there's matches where i think you need a little bit of luck you have to have it um, and I went, I think it was the round of 16. It was one of the evening matches. The kid had like nine and a half feet, like straight up the hill to beat me and missed. And, you know, I think you need those kind of breaks and that kind of, you know, a little bit of luck. 
He probably didn't hit the uh, the BPN there, Scott. Uh, no, no. Oh, yeah, I couldn't watch. <laughs> no, but like in that, it is a little bit of luck, but you put yourself close enough to be there. Yep, mm-hmm. exactly. Like if you had been two back, it matches over at that point. Like mm-hmm. you put yourself in a position to get that break when you needed it. Like yep. you just, and, and really any tournament, like it's, it doesn't matter how big a tournament is. It's all in your brain, how you think about it. Um, it's still golf, you know, you've practiced it, you've hit a thousand four footers, you've hit a thousand drives. It's just, you know, you just have to get in your own, your own brain. I bet it's tough seeing the same course over and over and over and over again. Too. Some of the harder shots it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you don't like a drive and you got to see it eight times, it's not the easiest, but right. And even like being out here on the home course all the time, you're like, I know what a perfect shot looks like. And I've hit that perfect shot. And you have to realize that like, golf is not a game of perfection mm-hmm. and you're not going to see that shot. And so like what's really been helping me recently is I've been saying like visualize and execute kind of thing where it's like, it doesn't have to necessarily be the best shot, but it has to be like, you know, within a 25% dispersion of the best shot. But it's tough when I think you see like, and we were talking about this when I played Harpeth Hills the other day, sometimes seeing a new course can be so fresh that it almost is, is liberating. It's yeah. liberating to like, Oh, I can, actually hit this shot when I need to rather than being like, oh, I can visualize a, a perfect round in my head at my home course. Well, I think something that helped me, you know, my caddy's name's Jeff Curley, played on tour for, played the Corn Ferry Tour off and on for like 12 years in status for eight, I think. Um, he kept telling me down the stretch, and you know, when you get nervous, you think you have to do something perfect. Um, and he kept telling me, he's like, man, it does not take a perfect golf shot. It does not take a perfect putt. And I think it just kind of frees you up a little bit. Totally. Um, and that's something that really helped me. So I still want to circle back to like, what is a, like when you're practicing in the summer, what does a week look like for you? <laughs> um, Pay attention to all you, you junior golfers out, out like there. You work out a good bit, right? Mm-hmm. When did you start working out? 14? I think when I moved to Greenville. So 14, 15. 14. 14. Um, I just, you know, I felt like I got a, gift from God. I really did. Um, and I've seen a lot of people that have kind of thrown that away by some of their actions and how they kind of do what they do. And that's when I made the decision of, I'm going to do everything I can to make myself as good as possible. That's incredible. So what does a week look like? Um, like wake up Monday morning, I'm, like I'm up, I'm up every morning before seven. Um, sometimes six 15, I'll go on the run in the morning. Um, it kind of depends when I play golf, I'll do a quick workout, go practice, all day, I guess. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'll try to fit in school last, and that's probably not what you're supposed to do, but that's kind of... Well, so this has been... Style. This is actually a fun conversation for me. So there's this idea of, like, balance. Like, what if you want to be exceptional at something and be great at something, you have a passion for it, you, you can't have balance. Like, you got to do yeah. well enough in your school so that you can keep your grades up, and that's going to go... Because if something happens to you physically, you know more hopefully that never happens but like if something happens you want your education you've got to be good enough there but like i've i've told parents and kids like when it's daylight you're practicing i'm sorry well i got a lot of homework well you can do that when when it's dark scott even referencing uh oh sorry no you're good Uh, that's it good <laughs> Back and forth. Anything That's what know. happens here. We'll let it go. Uh, we're even like Gary V referencing Gary V. Yeah, he's I, talking I about like he's talking about it, just schooling. He goes, if you're like a purebred entrepreneur, all you got to do is just like, and all you parents out there, close your ears. 
All you got to do is just. <laughs> what about the kids? All you got to do, and I guess, and the kids too. All you got to do is just get through school. Just get, just get through it, and keep on, and do what, do what you're doing. Um, I mean, even like now that I've been out of school for a few years now, I'm starting to realize that like, yes, school is so fundamental to like what you have to do. But if you really are talented at one thing, you got to put all your eggs in one basket and kind of go for it. Well, and it's not just with a sport. Like sports, like hyper focused right now, but like if. The kid starts falling in love with engineering. Like, let him grab all the engineering books from the library. Yeah. Like, yeah. Let him study a ton of engineering. Like, that's their thing. They still have to do good in English and their other classes they yeah. don't like taking. But, like, yeah. I'm not saying get C's. It's not at all. Like, no. you can get – it's not that hard to get A's in today's – the way education works. I've no. done a ton of tutoring. A's is not that hard. B's is definitely feasible for just about anybody. But, like – the, while it's daylight, golf like that's the time to practice. Like, yeah. and you know, for, not like basketball, you can go for, at night. For the parents, I take all AP and honors or whatever. Nice like, note. I, <laughs> and my my mom my mom makes me, you know, she makes me do school, and I I don't really like doing it. But um, and you know, in the summer days where I'll practice from seven to when it's 114 out, and then I'll do school. Then once it starts cooling down, then I'll play golf again. Um, and it can be the same thing, you know, when it gets cold, you, if it's, I don't like practicing when it's 40 degrees, I hate it. Um, and I'll wait till it gets to 50 degrees. I'll do school then and then practice and, you know, do school kind of school's been second to me for a while. Yeah. I, I want to throw well, a quick, uh, I want to throw a quick caveat on my, on my school, uh, statement. <laughs> yeah, you better. When I, when I say get through, I don't, I mean that like do well, but you don't have to get straight A's and everything that you're doing. Right. Yeah, like, there you yeah. go. That's all I had to say. <laughs> yeah. No, but like, no, no, yeah. thank you, thank you. I'll be here all week. Thank you, right. thank you. <laughs> but, but there's this there's this notion of like, well, that's a lot of time. Like, how's my kid gonna get that? It's like my kid's staying up till one o'clock. If you're not staying up with if you're staying up with your kid till one o'clock, or they're staying up till one o'clock, I can tell you they're doing more than just their schoolwork. So like, yeah. the discipline that's required in golf, especially more than any other sport, it requires more time out of you than any other sport. Hands down, not even close. Like, when you go to a tournament, you travel on a lot of tournaments now are Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Monday, Tuesday. So you leave on, sometimes you leave on Friday uh, to get to where you're going. You have a practice round Saturday, maybe Sunday. Uh, then you have, or if you don't have a practice round Sunday, you have a match Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Then you travel back, you've got school. You will miss more school in golf than you will miss in any other sport period in college so the ability to have the discipline to practice when it's daylight and study when it's not is an incredibly important skill set and it's it's learned like he doesn't like school most of your kids will raise their hand and go I don't like school like they like the social aspect of it but they don't like all the work that comes along with it plus the other thing I like from school you learn some critical thinking stuff especially in some of your 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 math and sciences that you get Um, and so those critical thinking skills help you make better decisions when you're playing as well so and not even just playing like you going to school gives you that ability to uh be good at whatever you're passionate about right like i wouldn't be able to sit here and engineer this podcast if i didn't go to school right like it's the same right they're just just building blocks yeah it's it's um putting the discipline in to to do what you need to like there's plenty of time in a day like we can sit here you can tell me how hard your schedule is and how difficult it is and i can sit up on a on a whiteboard um, and write out, there's way more time than you think. 
you're wasting it. It's what humans do. Like you mentioned, like not wasting the talent that mm-hmm. you have, which I think is incredible. But I had the privilege of at Ohio Wesleyan where I was, we have the winningest uh, soccer coach uh, in the world. Um, and he did this thing where he put 24 at the top of a board and he said, you guys said there's not enough time? Watch. <laughs> and like, you're like, oh man, I'm wasting so much time. Well, I, I, <laughs> I, so think, it, I think it, you know, especially when you practice, it's like, I'm going to hit five balls and I'm going to get on my phone and, you know, text somebody or I'm going to do school. I'll do this and then I'll Snapchat somebody. If you just add that up, the amount of time that you actually had and it's mm. way more than you think. Yeah. And so it's having that discipline to separate that. And when you have a passion for it, it makes it easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm guessing you've had moments where you don't want to practice. And I, you know, there's times where, you know, I'll, I'll put the clubs down for a month or from, you know, from October to January. I like hunting. I like being outdoors. You know, I like watching the sun go up and the sun go down. And I just, you know, I don't think if you don't love it, then a, you're not really going to practice. You're it's like, it's just, it becomes a repetition instead of you actually having fun doing it. Um, and I think, you know, there's obviously times where in the summer where, Hey, I really need to go putt for 40 minutes ending my you know session. Um, but when there's times, four hours, four hours, <laughs> there you go. Um, but you know, there's also, there's also, actually work when you know you know what you're doing and then it's work which is busy work um, and I think you know last year I've really kind of narrowed it down to what I need to be working on and kind of the you know what I need to have for each part of my game to, to play well what's a way that um, well you can talk about in golf and maybe this is like more of an overarching statement to avoid that burnout or to get back in after the burnout per se not force yourself to play bam um, I, if I don't want to, I'll go fish, go like do something. I mean, don't sit there and be bored, but I feel like we're talking to you like you're this, like, you know, golf, like savant and like in, in ways that you actually, you definitely are. But I think when people think of people who like, you know, like the Elon Musk of the world or the, the Jeff Bezos is like, I, th- I think that people think that, you know, all they do all day is, you know, Tesla and Amazon. It's like, no, like in reality, like not really. They still are passionate about other things in their life. It's just not as public per se. Mm-hmm. And like where you have this like perception of, you know, being this golf guy doesn't necessarily mean you're doing that 24, seven, 365. Mm-hmm. Notice the other thing that Nick said that I think is really subtle is he didn't say like, yeah, I'm just going to sit on, sit on my butt and watch TV for two months yeah I don't I don't mean that (laughs) no and because that actually disengages you you're like you're doing things that keep you engaged that kind of give you uh, they're fulfilling like sitting in front of a tv isn't it's not that you shouldn't do it but like that's what people think time off oh I don't have to do anything it's like I'm guessing you're still working out oh yeah yeah so still working out five six days seven days a week and then I I just I thoroughly enjoy being out in the woods I really do and it just, it takes my mind off everything and I can just kind of enjoy it. Two more questions before we go into our, are we going to do a Q&A? Yeah, we'll do a short Q&A. A short one? Yeah. Okay. Maybe we'll combine are you it. Are okay doing a Q&A? Sure. Yeah, of course. Sweet. Um, He's like, those are my favorites. <laughs> I know. Those, those are, those are a blast. Um, I'll, um, uh, what question? I had a question earlier. Do you have one, Jet? I'll say uh, this. Uh, yeah. What is, 
what are you most looking forward to going to college and playing D1 golf? And, and Scott mentioned to me that, uh, you know, this may be true, this may be not, that you want to stay for four years for the whole time. I, I think with this new PGA Tour University, um, for those of you that don't know, um, I don't even know what that is. So you don't know. <laughs> um, so, me. so kind of what it does, it's got this ranking system and you have to, it's either for two years or four years. Um, and if you're ranked in the top five of this PJ tour university, it'll give you full status on the mini tour. That's awesome. That's cool. We talked and about trying to find ways to get guys out there without the dollars yeah. that don't have the dollars. That's yeah. huge. I like and, that. Uh, and you know, if I don't achieve that after two years, I'll probably stay four because it, it doesn't work in three or one or the your first year or third year. Um, so it just kind of, I mean, second year, if you have full status on the mini tour, it's hard not to take that. Why would you not at least try? Exactly. And I bet there's, I, and you, you don't have to say or not, but from what I know too, about um, some pro in college, you know, contracts and signings. I know this from one of my buddies who went and played in the, in the league, in the in major league baseball is that if you go play on, like, if you make it to the show, sometimes there's a, there's a, uh, a little caveat in the contract saying, if I decide to go play, you still owe me a four-year education at this school. So I know that's how sometimes it works for, for major league contracts. I don't have nothing about that for golf, but I think that's a really cool caveat for baseball. Well, I, I, think, I think what's... We've talked about this when we had Ryan French on the podcast, the Monday Q Info guy. Um, oh, that's kind of neat. Yeah, we had him so on. That cool, was a lot man. of fun. So neat. talking about the process of getting out there on the tour. Uh, but we talked about, like, how do we fix this system? Because there are guys that are in the top five, top ten in the, in the nation that don't have the dollars. And you don't see them again. And you don't mm. see them because they – in it's order, expensive. In, it's expensive, and even if you do get the dollars, let's assume that you get the dollars and you have the dollars to go to Q school. You have to go to pre-qualifying, assuming you have to go to that. So you have to play well enough on pre-qualifying to make the top 25 out of that and move on. Then you have to do stage one, move on. Stage two, move on. And then you have stage three in order to advance. So you get some status once you get to stage three, but not, not a lot unless you play well. Much, no. All um, that while sharing a right. hotel room with so, six people or sleeping in your car or whatever. Yeah, the, and so you have to play well on the exact right week. It's like, it's like winning yep. top tenning in the four major championships. Like, it's hard. It's hard to do, and so this gives guys – it's based on an average for the entire year. So it's based on how good are you, not how many dollars do you have. Correct. Which I think is – is a nice shift, and I'm really excited to hear about that. That's huge. So what are you looking forward to about college golf? What was, like, the biggest thing that stood out in your visit? What are I, you looking forward to the most? You know, I would say I'm, I'm fortunate enough to play with a lot of the alums down in Birmingham. Sweet. Um, and, uh, you know, Coach Sewell, he's churned out a lot of tour stars. Obviously, your JTs and your guys like that. Um, and to get under somebody that's done that and, you know, has – has you know transformed players from high school and college to winning majors proven success um I, I you know i think i'm i'm pumped to you know get in that atmosphere have the guys around me push me we can work together as good as good as we can and you know see where that takes us and then uh what's your one like cool thing that you're looking forward to about the facility uh the bama facility yeah um I that little wedge facility they have back there. You can hit anywhere from a seven iron to a L wedge. 
we've got pins, greens, little bunkers you can hit into. You can kind of hit every which direction. And, That's really um, cool. I love it. All right, I'm going to put you on the spot. Brooksy, listen up. No, I'm kidding. I have, I, have, <laughs> right. I, I have two questions to hit you with. Sure. It's basically the same question, but it's going to be advice in two different directions. Okay. I'm going to give you the first one. This is the easy one. What advice would you give to any junior golfer that's, let's just say, trying to get to play college golf? Mm-hmm. Not every kid wants to play the PGA Tour. Not every kid's going to be able to. What's one piece of advice you would give them, understanding they may not all have the same access to facilities, et cetera? Like, what would you give them? Um, I, you know, I think it goes back to the, you know, the passion for the game. Um, I, you know, when I grew up in Birmingham, I kind of had everything with Greystone. It's one of the best facilities in the state, one of the best golf courses. And, you know, and then I moved to South Carolina and I didn't really have much to be honest with you. Um, and my passion really didn't change. You know, I think it's a lot easier to practice if you have all of that in front of you. Um, whereas, you know, I've known people that have grown up on a farm and they just put a flag stick in the ground, start hitting. Um, and you know, I think if you really love it, you, you can you know, use your imagination, you know, you can figure it out. Um, that's, that's kind of all I got okay. for that one. Like, so I'm going to pose the next question and then I'm going to give some filler time for you to answer it. Okay. Um, what advice would you give to parents? of junior golfers. Now I'm asking a 17 year old kid to give parenting advice, but the reason why I'm doing this is some of the most profound things that I've learned as a teacher and a coach is actually from my junior golfers, whether that be seven, 10, 15, 18 years old. I've learned a ton of stuff. Uh, One of my biggest teaching, like instructing moments, like technique was actually from Erica who worked for me the last two summers, but her first summer here, I did all these 15 minute evals and we're about 40 or 50 of them through. And she's like, it's amazing to me that people can hit it at their target and not be anywhere lined up according to that. And, and she was falling in line with one of my teaching philosophies, which is the setup almost always follows the swing until you get to this level, to Nick's level. And so at Nick's level, like you can make tiny adjustments in the setup and it fix everything. But as somebody's growing and developing, like instructors want to just jump into like fixing technique first or fixing setup first. It's like, well, in five swings because their technique's so bad, their setup's going to adjust to get the ball go at the target. So I always go for the. But she was seeing things that most golf instructors never see, ever. They'll teach for 40, 50 years, and they'll never see it, which was really cool. So, like, for me to learn that from a freshman in college, still a teenager, that's why I wanted to ask that question because there's – I think there's something you probably have to say. Well, let me let me say this before you before you answer too. I'm gonna <laughs> we're giving you a lot of time. I'm gonna simplify it for all the parents out here. Parents, you literally have the ideal kid here, the kid that's made it out, the kid that's got the college offer, the kid who has you know all the potential in the world. Like, why wouldn't you want to listen to a guy who is the ideal kid to what you want your kids to potentially be? If they want to play correct. collegiately, correct. right? If they want to have a lot of success, he's he's done all that. Correct, so, correct. Yeah. Um. You know, I, I think it goes back to, you know, learn your fundamentals and stick with them. I think that's something that Hank did a great job with me on. Um, he taught me these fundamentals. He, and, you know, as you go through growth spurts, you know, there's probably times where I shot up two inches from seeing you from time to time. Um, and keeping that in check really helped me out. But, you know, my mom and dad don't play. Um, I think they've done a great job of, you know, first of all, to play the sport, you got to learn to be alone. Um, and you have to, you have to enjoy being alone. Um, and I think, 
you know, eight out of the six weeks I was on the road on this summer by myself. Went from Chicago, New York, North Carolina, South Carolina, Florida. I was by, I was by myself. Um, and I think, you know, me figuring that out for myself has helped me a lot. Um, not only to mature, but to just kind of realize who I am and, you know, kind of figure out, you know, you run into problems. I've missed flights, you know, you got to figure it out. Um, but I would say, you know, kind of try to find an instructor like Scott. Scott's been great. Um, he helped me a lot and just kind of let them grow. Let them figure it out for themselves. Nick's giving me more credit than I do. No, I'm really not. <laughs> I'm not at all. Uh, it was great to be a part of his growth and development. And uh, I remember a putting lesson at, at the Legacy one time. I, I have that in the back of my head that I remember at the Legacy Golf Course at Greystone. But um, can you see why I ask, I learn stuff from kids? Like, I've never had it said that way. I've been doing this for 11 years. And he said, you have to learn and love being alone like you have to learn how to be alone and have the discipline to work and all that and it's like I'm so totally gonna use that like I've already got like two or three situations in my head I'm going I'm gonna use it there there and there uh so Nick thanks for being on the podcast we're gonna do thank you a shorter Q&A after um but I appreciate it that's great congrats on your win uh that's probably the biggest it's the biggest junior tournament you can win it so is, it is. Congrats, man. It quite literally is, Scott. Yeah, I know, it is. You can't win anything bigger. So, We're And he's going to the U.S. Open next year because of that. So. I am. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Well, Nick, thanks for being on the podcast. Do you, wanna, do you, wanna, do you have anything to plug? Anything to plug at all? Your Instagram? Uh, anything that you're going to be doing here in the next couple weeks, months, years? Um, Instagram, Nick Dunlap 10. and Love it. Roll Tide. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to wrap it up here on the back porch of the Franklin Bridge. We are going to have a quick one-song break, and then we're going to come back with another uh, short Q&A, but it's probably going to turn into more information based on the questions that we get. So it'll probably be a, like a shorter Q&A question-wise, but longer in terms of like what we're going to do and like elaborate on it. So if you're listening at home, first of all, thanks for listening. We're almost at 20,000 plays, so thank you guys so much. Um, always remember to follow Scott on Instagram, at golf, two S's, two E's. Um, that's a place where you're going to be able to learn when we're going to have more special guests on the podcast, what kind of programming is coming up at the bridge, and what you can do to improve your scores. So uh, we're going to wrap it up here on the Backwards Franklin Bridge. Stay tuned for the Q&A that's coming up next with Nick. And as you guys heard, follow him on socials. And uh, we'll see you on the next one. Peace. Thanks, y'all, for listening to this episode of the Champions Playbook. As always, you can find us anywhere that you guys are. So uh, make sure to check out Scott on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of the above. His Instagram is at Golf. That's two S's and two E's. So make sure to go and check out everything that he's got going on over on his Instagram page. Uh, as well as make sure you follow Franklin Bridge. Uh, Franklin Bridge puts out some great things as well, and we want to make sure that we support them because they support us. So as always... Feel free to come by the back porch of the Persimmon Pub at 7 p.m. on Wednesdays to come and listen to us talk golf. So book a late afternoon round of golf, and then afterwards, come on inside, get some food, some drinks. Uh, We got some specials going on. We had some $5 flatbread pizzas. We had some amazing chicken tacos, as well as drink specials going on all night long. So make sure to support the Persimmon Pub as well when you come out. We would love to see you guys. We do one episode and then a live Q&A and then another episode. So from 7 to 9 on Wednesdays, we hope to see you soon, and we'll see you on the next one.
Peace.